0: Good evening for those of you that don't know me I'm Jeff Perry I'm the minister to families here and what that means is I do a lot of different things that's all I can tell you um, it's my pleasure to be speaking in thrive tonight's first time I've done this as um, a kickoff out in the foyer you see it, there's a table and it talks about being a part of groups and one of the things I want to talk about is being a part of a group now. I debated this and I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask something of you guys before I get started, and that is this. Is it at all possible that you guys come up here closer instead of being back there in the back? If you could stand and come in and fill in these rows, I would greatly appreciate it. You guys in the front, you're going, huh, I'm glad I already got my seat. I'm out of it. Yeah, I'm not the back person. Everybody that gets up and moves, by the way, Chris will be giving you a $50 gift card at the end of the sermon, so that's why I'm sorry. You better go out and buy them now, okay? (laughs) Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. The reason why I do that is is because this is my posture every Wednesday night. I'm a student pastor. I work with teenagers um, and some teenagers that think that they're adults. And We get to share and we get to work together and get to be a part of it. And tonight, I was wanting to talk about small groups in a way that probably uh, nobody has ever uh, thought of in a regular worship service, but I wanted to talk to you guys just like I do when I'm a youth pastor. And that is this, that there is a reason why groups work. I'm old enough to remember all of those superhero characters when they were on back in the 60s and the 70s, and I told him in one of the services today, the thing that I can't stand is they make Aquaman out to be this loser bum in everything that they do, and tonight they had him eating, uh, what was it, pork rinds on the couch, yeah, shoving them in, and they're in his beard, so, you know, when I see that, I'm going, that hurts, man, I remember rooting for Aquaman when I was a kid, but as it came tonight, I have a A couple of scripture verses that I wanted to share with you that just talk about why groups are important. And groups are important to me because I know that when it comes to Christian life, and I hate to say this, but there is more intentional learning and deepening that happens in a group than even in a worship service. Because group time allows us to open ourselves up. It allows us to have a time when we are connecting with someone and we're talking with someone and they become a part of our lives. Now, one of the things that I'm blessed with in the church is because of my role, I'm a part of a ton of small groups. I don't get to go to all their meetings, but I'm a part of them. And at some time during the year, I usually end up stumbling in or talking with them or, or helping them prepare their studies. But what is fascinating to me is the stories that come out of small groups. And Dave's here tonight, and one of the first things that I will point out is Dave and his first wife, Frida, they were one of the people that jumped on to the small group bandwagon right from the very beginning. And if you knew Frida, Frida would speak her mind, yeah. But Frida was one of those people that she was the most loving and caring person, and when the small groups would meet, she would wrap her arms around that group. And she was always constantly in their life. Some of them would say that she was a helicopter small group leader. Just like a helicopter mom. She was wanting to know what was going on in your life, praying for it. And we lost her way too early. But what she taught to a lot of people was the principle that when you're in a group setting, you have to be aware of the people that you're around. And understand that they're going through life. The one things that groups really allow us to do is they open the door. And I don't know how many of you are in a small group. I, I know that some of you have been in a small group before. But tonight I hope this just causes you to ask me, is there really a group for me? Because we have so many different venues for you to be able to deepen your relationship with God. Maybe even ask the initial questions of who God is. And that's really, really what it's all about. The first piece of scripture that I want to share with you, it's a key verse for me. It's in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, Just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, And we were all given in one spirit to drink. Simply it's this. That the whole premise of church, the whole thing about when people come in, the whole thing about this Thrive service is you're a body of believers. You're a body. And when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, you're included in the family. Now, I stop there to say this, that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, don't panic. Because groups are specifically intentional for you to get to know somebody in that body for you to be able to ask questions. And what I'll tell you is this, the people that lead these groups, they better be prepared. Because your questions are all valid. Your questions are all necessities for your life and for your understanding of what goes on. And there's three points that go along with groups. The first one is this. That it is a body that we are called to give life flavor. If I can go ahead and pull that next verse up. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Every one of us that ever meet together has a specific purpose in God's eyes. And you might have lived up to this point in your life and you're sitting there going, I have no idea what my purpose is. And you want me to tell you something? There was a lot of times in my life that I lived through that same kind of understanding. I shared this one about my testimony um, when it comes to dealing with my mom, that even as a Christian, there were times when God and I weren't on good terms. Because I didn't like what was going on in my life. I had my loved ones that they were suffering, and I asked those kind of questions. What's going on? But what happened was God provided a group of people around me that reminded me how much I was loved. People that would check on me. People that would even tell me when things were wrong. About two years ago on Thanksgiving Day, Every year, the youth, from from that point on, the youth had started doing this thing over at Idlewild Park. It's called Run Turkey Run. And we do it to raise money for missions, but it's kind of a fun day and families come out early in the morning and they run. And on that particular day, I had woke up and I felt horrible. Now, I am one of these people that do not go to doctors. Anybody in here like that? Usually that ends up costing you. We were talking about that before, weren't we? out there, that it's the putting off that usually costs you. But on that day when I woke up and I headed out to a park, I could do nothing. And I had a wonderful group of volunteers and everyone I was looking at me going, Jeff, you just don't look right. I don't know what's wrong with you, but you just don't look right. Get through Run Turkey Run, I go home and I said, I'll feel better because what I'll do is I'll lay down then we'll have dinner and then I'll lay down again. And I did that. And after dinner, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I walk up to my wife, Kendra. My children were there in the room, and I finally looked at my, my kids and my wife, and I said, Henry, you got to take me to the hospital. Something's wrong. Don't know what's wrong. And she knew at that point in time that I was serious. We went over to St. Elizabeth, pulled into the emergency room. It was empty. It's a good day to go. I always tell people it's a good day to go. So we sat there and pulled into the emergency room, and sure enough, um, they took me straight back and they told me that my blood pressure was 210 over 115 or something in that range. I, I, the number always changed my, it was extremely high. First thing the nurse said to me is, she goes, what were you doing today? And I said, well, I was at a 5K. And she went, oh. she goes, you didn't run, did you? I said, no. And she goes, good, because you've been dead. She said, you would have stroked out. Second thing she asked me, she goes, tell me about your eating habits, going through all those things. And finally she said, you know, there's a good chance you're going to end up on blood pressure medicine. And they did release me that day. They put all the monitors on me and I didn't have any heart uh, problems. It wasn't a heart attack, uh, praise God. But as I go through that whole thing, she said, you got to go see your doctor. So the next day I shoot over to my doctor and I said, hey, Michael, I said, this is what's going on. He says, I've already read your report. He said, uh, you're going to go on medicine for a while. He says, you can control it with diet. He says, the stuff that you take in, he says, you just got to watch it. He says, you're on that borderline. He says, you're a high blood pressure person anyway. But he said, you've got to know the signs that when it's starting to get out of control. So he said, there's one thing I want to ask you though. He said, when all this was going, he said, about over the last six months to maybe even a year. He says, has there been people in your life that have been telling you that you don't look good? Mm. I've known Michael for a long time, and I said, Yeah. I said, There's been people. He says, Have there been people looking at you? He said, You just look like you don't feel good. And I said, Yeah. He told me, He says, I have the same faith in God that you do. He says, And this is what I learned. He says, In that moment, those people are speaking to you. God's sending you people into your life to better your situation. He says, "No, you're stubborn. You're like most men." He says you don't do anything about it. When I went home, I, you know, I was kind of thinking back, and I started remembering. This person said this, and this person said that. And should you be eating that? You know, not in a nagging way, but just people that were in my life. And, and I equate that as a small group person to exactly what happens because there's people in my life today that when I wake up and I have a horrible day, they'll look at me and they're going, "What's wrong with you today?" You need to pray. You need to talk. And in that same light, I have people that spend time in my life caring about me. And vice versa happens, you know, because of that and because we're so tight. I pray into those people and I love spending time with those people and we do things for each other. And it's just crazy. It's crazy because that's exactly what God intended. God never expected any of us to go this life by ourselves. See, I learned (laughs) through these first 50 years of my life that Jeff needs to stop trying to outthink God. I can't think any better than God and I sure don't know what's on the horizon, but He does. And that's the biggest part about not having a relationship with Christ. It's not that you're a horrible person. It's not because you struggle. It's just because you've never learned the fact that somebody has your best interest at heart. And I know exactly what I usually get from my students is this. Well, you know what? You say that, Jeff, but you're just saying that because you want me to stop having fun. You want to take all the enjoyment out of my life. I don't want to be one of those people who just goes to church and they make that their entire life. And you want me to tell you something? Long after I became a Christian, I've had a ton more fun in my life. And more importantly, I have a great group of people that I get to share that with. And we do a lot of stuff together. So, you know, draw, draw this picture in your mind. Maybe you can do this. You ever just go out to eat with your friends and you all pile around a table? It's about 7 o'clock at night and you eat your food, you order your food and the next time you look up, it's 11 o'clock at night. Time flies when you're having fun. And, you know, there's a joke around church by some people because I will be here at 8 o'clock in the morning, but I'm usually the last one to leave here on Sunday afternoon because I can't not stop and talk to people. Drives my wife and children absolutely nuts. It was a blessing today because all my children went with somebody else and got them to feed them, and Kendra and I actually had a date day today. It really worked out pretty good. So... And a date day on Sunday for us is we went and ate and then both of us, she collapsed in the recliner and I went upstairs and went to bed. So, I mean, you know, there's always that image that when I'm in a group and I'm a group of people, it's so much better. And I don't have to do the struggling by myself. I say that we have to give life flavor. The next thing I want to tell you is this, that in 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, it says, but in your hearts revere Christ as your Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you or against your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed with their slander. And you know what? Fancy way of saying this. That as a Christian, I've got to be prepared. If somebody asks me why I believe, I need to be prepared in my life to be able to make an account for that. I don't have to make these big stories up. A lot of times when I'm talking to people, you know, I think about the testimonies that I heard and it's not about sugarcoating, and making them horrible. My life hasn't been horrible. I haven't made a lot of decisions. My parents beat me enough to where I didn't want to make bad decisions. And I don't use that word beat me just as a term either. I mean, I can tell you some of the times that they took me out. But every moment of my Christian life are special to me. And they add up to make my story. I always tell somebody that doesn't have faith in Christ or isn't sure about this Christian thing this. You know what? You've been living up to this point, and you're good because you've been working on that story. You've been working on the testimony. And what's really important about that is there are people that have gone through exactly what you're going through in your life. There are people that know the same kind of struggles. And it's wonderful because when we get together, we make up these groups, and we start talking about stuff with one another, we find out we have so much in common. This week when we were down in the youth room, uh, we were talking with the senior high. And one of the topics came up, all the stuff that's going on in the news about religion, about the politicalness, you know, all the lawsuits, going to see judges, all this garbage. And that's exactly what Satan's done. He's created a world that's full of confusion. He's created a world that is trying to take the focus off of God any way can and put it on something else. And the students were sitting there going, you know, this person should have done this and this person should have done that. But really, I can see in their eyes and I can hear in their voice the fact that they have confusion. And what it is is, I don't think they've ever had anybody speak truth in their life. See, the thing about Jesus Christ is this. He was so wonderful, and he cared about me, and he lives forever in heaven, but dying on the cross wasn't the best lessons he ever taught us. When he worked on, walked on earth, he was going up to the people that were struggling, and he was loving on them. After I got done with the second service, I had a man stop me in the back, and he told me this. He says, you know, he says, you remember the account of the woman at the well. In the story of the woman at the well, is Jesus walks up and he sits there and looks at her and he says, You can find forgiveness. You can forget, forget, uh, find love. You're the only person that's coming to this well because you're ashamed of all the things that are going on. He started naming off the stuff that she's ashamed about, but he said, Stop. You can be forgiven for it. And just as soon as that changed in her life, I can't imagine what happened in her life. Hopefully, well, hopefully. I, I really believe that at that point in time she wasn't so afraid to come up to people and talk to them and maybe she found a group of people that formed a group and she grew in her faith. Remember this, that Jesus Christ lived in a small group. He had 11 other guys with Him. You know, and as they're going around and smell, I mean, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Smelly, traveling, eating pork rinds and looking like Aquaman. I mean, the guys were all traveling together, but they were a group. But Jesus Christ also taught us so much about compassion, but He never did stray away from the truth. And here's the thing, especially if you don't have a relationship with Christ, the greatest thing for me is when He looks at me and sees where I am and speaks to my heart, And he says these kind of words. You know better, but I love you. I know what you've done, but I love you. Somebody asked me what Burlington Baptist Church should represent. That's exactly what it is. It's the, I don't care what baggage you carry in here. We love you. I don't care where you think you've messed up so badly. There's nothing so bad that Jesus Christ doesn't love you. And there's nothing so bad that this church doesn't love you. In this day and age, if we adopted that principle as a group of people, a group of believers in here, I know that we could change the world. Because we're simply following the blueprint that Jesus Christ gave us. So, you've got to tell your story. Don't be ashamed of it. Understand that it's just a work in progress. Your story is finally written the day you draw your last breath here and you Take your first breath in heaven. Let everybody else, because they're going to be talking about your story there at the end, make sure it's a good story. Make sure that they're able to smile and talk about, you know what, that person was godly and they understand it. And you know what? They don't, we don't have to worry about where they are. Because they believed in Jesus Christ. He was at the center of their life. The last verse says that we must cast a vision for living. And this verse is in Colossians. It says, Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Why do I love small groups? I love it because a lot of times people can see things that I can't. A different set of eyes. Nick usually uh, pastors here on the Thrive services. A couple of weeks ago when he started coming in uh, with the staff and he met with us, one of his direct statements was that he says, I am not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to offer you another set of eyes. Another set of eyes. Because sometimes you get so caught in this vision that you don't see the things that are around you. You know, what, I tell you something. That's why you need to be a part of a group, because you need to have those people that have those eyes, those compassionate eyes, looking out for you. You know what? In my life, it's never been about economic status. It's not about racial. It's not about sexual orientation. Every time that I sit there and I read about the things that are going on in the world, I finally got to the point in my 50 years. Where every time I see a person talking, I see a soul. Now, some people will debate that Donald Trump doesn't have one, but I still have to tell you that he does, okay? you know, Even Donald Trump needs Jesus. As it's funny, last night I was watching him in an interview, and the thought that went across my mind is, Donald Trump needs Jesus. But he'd never let me within five feet of him to tell him how he was. He'd build a wall up, and I would never get to it. Anyway, everybody needs to have a relationship with Christ. Every one of you matter. And don't ever forsake the gifts that God gives you because one of the greatest gifts He gives you is each other. And it's love. You know what? It doesn't matter how big or how small this crowd is in here. What matters is that you're in a loving place. And you know what? If you take that love of Christ and you implant it in your heart and you start letting people see that, and that be the salt of your life? There's no doubt in my mind, uh, on a Sunday night we can roll in here, and this place will be full. Because there are people out in this world that are dying and they're passing laws, and they're going to court and fighting for stuff for things that they think that are going to make them happy. But scripture tells me that none of that stuff is going to make you happy. The only thing that matters is your relationship. So, to sum it all up, it's like this. If you don't have a church home, more importantly, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, allow us to talk to you about it. Allow us just to share with you why it's important. We've all got a story. If you've got questions, or if you think that God has done something terrible in your life and you just can't forgive Him for it, you know what? Been there. Done that. But what i'm going to tell you is this give us the opportunity to talk with you and answer those questions because those questions are valid but more importantly if you don't have a place to call home a place that you can rely on people just genuinely caring for you no matter where you are in life make this your home we invite you to be in this time, we call it many things. I don't know if you call it invitation time or what it is, but there's a lot of things that are offered to you here. There's an altar, which are these steps. And you can come and you can just pray. and Somebody can come and pray with you. We'll pray with you. If you want to talk, you come on up here. I turn this thing off. Don't worry. I know to turn it off when I'm up here and when I'm in the bathroom. You know, so nobody hears what's going on. You, know, you don't want to go down that road. <coughs> we have the Lord's Supper that's available to you. Maybe it's a moment in time and communion that you need with God just the beginning of this coming week what you're going to face. And I know that they also offer an opportunity for you to come and give your tithes and offerings because it's the act of obedience. It's what we do for God. But whatever you need in this moment is Chris leads you. Take a moment and have that conversation with God. And if it means stepping out because you want to be a part of a group, the only winners there are us because we get to know you and we get to be a part of your life. And we're the ones that are going to benefit from it. So let's stand and just take this moment, this time of commitment.